Hello and welcome to episode 14 of season 5 of The Roar. It is August and we're on episode 14. It's been that kind of year. Uh, We are grinding. As a podcast, we are grinding through this season. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of challenges, just like the team is grinding through injury hell. Uh, Matt is determined to catch COVID and is currently on a cruise. So it's just us. It's just us. Yeah. He was like, he's like, this this ship is somewhat empty. I'm like, it ain't empty enough. Unless you're alone, it ain't good enough, my friend. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, look. I get it. Cruises are fun. Uh, after the Princess Diamond. Yeah. What, how long were they out there for? Like four weeks, three weeks? I don't. It feels like so long ago. It has been like over a year now, which is weird to think about. Yeah. Which is weird to think about a year ago that people were like, yeah, cruise. <laughs> Remember when Tiger King was a thing? Unfortunately. Uh, Orlando City, though, it's been uh, it's been like it's been a weird month right it's been, it's been weird like people online have been calling for pareja to be fired the team in league play has not lost but not great injury hell a lot of pieces missing a lot of pieces still missing and more dropping like flies it seemingly every day so obviously with all the midweek matches it's tough to sit down and uh, find time to record episodes as, as often as we used to Hopefully next year, when the schedule evens out, or at any point this season when the schedule evens out, we'll be able to get back in a rhythm. But right now, we're just going to focus on big picture. We're going to focus on the homegrowns, and we're going to focus on the transfer window that's coming up in a week, because uh, we still have one striker on our team who that might be relevant for. But I, I'm just – let's run through the injuries, and I want to get your take on just – what you think of this team's performance with these in mind, right? So Golese obviously has been out. DK has been out. Is he injured? Who knows? Uh, Mendez. They originally said his lower leg was bruised. And then Pareja was like, no, his foot's fucked. He can't even kick a ball. I don't know where you guys got that from. Uh, Pato obviously is MIA. Pareja has injured his quad. Uri injured his groin. And uh, I think that's it. I'm probably missing some. I know, uh, you know, Antonio Carlos obviously had the concussion he was dealing with. How, obviously, Joey Desart's gotten a lot of run. Mason Stadiohar's gotten a lot of run. How, how, what do you think about the results with the fact that our midfield is decimated in Galeza's? I feel like you could have stopped after Galeza is gone, and it would have been somewhat impressive because that guy is just such a difference maker. Um, I, I think that it's a, a, quite impressive that we haven't picked up an L um through all of this um i'm not did, really sure santos you know which yeah well i'm talking about one that i actually cared about <laughs> um so but the 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 thing that uh, i have grown to really understand that this fan base is so nuanced like it really is like there's so many different people in different groups like some people love Chris Mueller. Some people hate Chris Mueller. Some people love Benjamin Michelle. Some people don't like Benjamin Michelle. Some people like uh, Freya. Some people don't. And it all like changes. Like it's it's insane to me how many different takes are coming out of this different this small this group of people. That I mean, I don't think how how big do you think the fan base is? Like the, the dedicated people that care. Uh, comparatively to other MLS teams, 
larger than average comparatively to other sports fandoms a lot smaller than average like minuscule and like it's it's so weird to me to like compare mls fandoms to like other fandoms uh, sports fandoms and and just kind of the scope the like little niche that mls has carved out like it's just so i don't i can't really wrap my mind around like the distance between like like especially when you look at like streaming and tv like who's actually watching these games there you know there's a reason why orlando's tv deal is what Uh, yeah i mean it's to go it's just I can't see there's few opinions that I understand less than wanting to fire the manager. That is the only one. Like when you said like Chris Mueller, people don't like him, don't like him. I get that. Like there's an argument to be had there. Benji, Michelle, I get that argument to be had there. I don't know how you could not love Benji. Uh, that man is a godsend, but Pereja. I mean, I get it. He's not flawless. But right now, you, you know how <laughs> let me let me just paint this picture for you. Okay. We have 34 points in week 20. Matched after match day 20, I should say, not week, because two matches a week. In 2015, it took us until match week 30 to hit that number. 2016, match week 27, 28 in 2017. We never hit it in 2018. Uh, 2019 took us till match week 27 again. And then last year it took us till match week 20. So we are basically on pace with what our last year and everybody was jumping for joy last year. So has the expectations, have they jumped too high in a season? Um, no, I, well, I think that's part of it, but I also think that like, especially in soccer is the, is the, is the, it's just so fickle, like results in soccer. And that's just not, that's not just MLS. That's not just Orlando city. That's like, remember last year at the end of the year in, in the premier league, when Liverpool in the, had that like mid to late year, just nosedive and they fell to like sixth, and then somehow what they finish third. Yeah. Because Alisson came up and scored a header like that. They, was, yeah. they had to go on a crazy tear to even get that high. But at the time, like, it didn't feel like they were going on that tear. It, it, it felt just like, oh, okay. And But then you just kept rising through the table. So I feel like soccer is a fickle game. And the results, you just have to be patient with it. That's why a couple weeks ago, or actually, I won't even talk about how long ago it was because it's only a couple episodes ago. <laughs> but, uh, but, like, we were talking about how, like, we're more focused on the game to game. Like, yeah, did we get a result here? Did we get a result here? Should we have won this game when we got the draw? But like, if you look at the table, like we're getting what we want. Um, so I feel like people are just, I don't know what it is because it's like, you look at the people that are super like negative in the sense that it's almost like the people that are most positive usually are most negative now. Do you ever feel like that? Like, like, like they're the swing. ones like there's just like yeah they're the ones that are like we we were backing you backing you backing you and it started going going and now it hasn't quite kept up to the level that we thought it was going to so now we're going to be mad and it's like but like we're still getting decent results we're still firmly in the playoff position we're still as of right now in a good position to get at least a w in the playoffs like i just don't really see the run around with your hair on fire cause of being just just out of your mind. I, I just don't see it right now. Like it would have to take a serious run of losses for me to really, 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 really get angry. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing about MLS is, like, unlike other soccer leagues, the regular season doesn't really matter that much. Obviously, yeah. you want it, you just you just need to be good enough for seven months out of the year. And if you get hot at the right time or you get healthy at the right time, like last year, uh, the Revs got Carles heel back right for the playoffs, and then they went on a tear through the playoffs because they had one of the best players in the league back. So you know, I'm not really like super worried about that. Obviously you got one eye on the table and you're like, okay, well, where's the cutoff line? How far are we above that? You know, what's, what's the realistic playoff picture? Like ideally I want a home playoff game. We play a lot better at home. Pareja coaches a lot better at home. The numbers just across the league is home advantage is real. So obviously you want to be in a position where you play at home as many times as possible. Second place in the East right now is where we're sitting. And that's, we're not catching New England. It would be miraculous for us to catch New England. That team is cruising. But the reality is, come November, it doesn't matter how many points we were behind them. It matters on one day who the better team is. So I don't really, I don't really put that much stock in the regular season uh, and results week to week. Like I don't really care where we are in the table but from match day to match day, I care where we are at the end of the season. So like, I, this has been me like with every soccer fandom though, like even Liverpool, like I don't care if we're top of the table at Christmas. I care if we're in a position to win the league in May and like with Orlando, I don't care if after match day 20, we're in second. I care if we're in a position to have a home playoff game at the end of October. Yeah. And it also helps that we're in the Eastern conference, which is dog shit. I do wonder, like, because if you look at, like, our win, like, the amount of points we've picked up, I wish I'd done a little math before this, but, like, so many of our how points... bad we've done against the lower table people? Well, I, I, that's, we most that's most of our points, though. That's most of our points. Like, Toronto, we, we've played three times, and we have didn't lose to them. Cincinnati, obviously, we've got four points in two games. Chicago, we just beat. Um, you know, obviously, we dropped that one to Chicago. But, like, other than that, like, we really haven't dropped points against the bottom-tier teams, which you have to do. Um, but we really haven't had a ton of games against the top of the conference. Yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna remain to be seen how we do against those teams. But as of right now, thirty four points in second position. Like, there's no way we catch in New England. And honestly, I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't need to be first on the table, especially in MLS. Like you said, it doesn't matter. Um, but they're fifteen points ahead with two games. They're two games. We have two game two games on hand for them. So even we're nine points out, even if we win those two games, like they're fucking going off. Like they're smashing the league. Like Seattle only has 42 points and they have, they have a game on hand. That's crazy. I didn't even realize new New England was going that hard. And they've been missing Carlos Hill, who is like the odds on MVP favorite. He has like 15 assists. It's match week 20. It's stupid. He's been out for like a month. It's crazy. That dude's so good. So yeah, but hold I, on. I'm looking at the Western Conference and the three bottom. The hold on. If we were the in the West, we'd be fifth. Teams, uh, yeah, yeah, yep, we'd be fifth. But I'm looking at the bottom. The bottom three teams in the Western Conference, all in Texas. Oh yeah, all of them in Texas. <laughs> it's like, like Houston. When's the last time Houston was good? Like literally. Have they? Oh, when they uh, moved from when San Jose. Uh, Dallas, perhaps in Dallas, but legitimately they won oh, two cups back to back right after they moved the team from San Jose. So they were basically riding San Jose's coattails to two cups and they've been dog shit ever since. 
I really like the new, this is completely off topic, but going through the table, like I really like some of the new badges. I, I like the Houston one, but somebody should have been like, we look exactly like the San Francisco Giants. So we should probably not do that. That's the thing there. It's like a baseball logo, which is why you like yeah. it. Yeah, probably. And I, I do, I do want to see us like, obviously we drew against Nashville. Who's a good team on the road. That was a great, uh, actually a lot better performance than I was expecting. Antonio Carlos getting that header to, to take a point on the road. I will take a point on the road every day in MLS, uh, regardless of who the reality of this league, um, you know, when your home games draw on the road, you'll especially be fine. in conference, especially. In oh yeah. Well this year, you know, we had two Western conference games and we've already played them. So, uh, I, from here, let's look at the next five games, though. Miami at home, obviously. We're going to be up in the terraces for that one. Uh, Columbus next week. Atlanta away. Montreal at home. Philadelphia away. So, not again, we're still not playing, like, the top of the conference. Columbus is from free fall right now. Miami's on the rise. Still not good. Atlanta, Rob Valentino had them clicking. They're starting to win a couple games. Montreal's solid. But these are all five. Uh, and then Philly. Did I say Philly? Um Again, all five winnable games against the middle of the conference. How, I mean, obviously injuries are a big thing. With this stretch, which is going to be pretty crucial, how confident are you that we're going to get the job done getting out of this? Uh, pretty confident. Uh, that only game that I really feel like is, a, is a, oh, the two games I feel like are what ifs, and it's Atlanta and Philly. And it's Atlanta because they're the same to me as NYCFC. That team just always, it doesn't matter. It could be the worst team in the league versus the best team in the league. And that team, that game's going to be a tough game for both sides. Um, so I think that's going to be tough. And then the same, I don't really feel the same about Philadelphia. I just feel like no matter where Philadelphia is on the table, they always give us a tough game. I don't ever feel like we give Philly a tough game. I feel like Philly just comes in and just knows how to play us. And it's annoying as fuck. So I don't look forward to any games against them. Yeah, I mean, they're they're like a weird team. They're not like an exciting team, but they're a solid team. Mm-hmm. And they have been like that for a few years now. Uh, same with like Nashville. Like they don't have like, they're not going to wow you, but they're going to get results. And especially on the road at, uh, in Chester, you know, I I just like, the concern is like the midfield. Like we're starting Joey Desart, which – Obviously, he's not on the team to be a big starter, but like Uri Rosell's dealing with a growing injury. He's not coming back. And even when he was back, he didn't look good. Um, you know, who knows what's up with Perea? Who knows what's up with Mendez? Like our number six is just a, a dumpster fire of injuries. Obviously, Glacier coming back helps. He should be uh, fit for Friday, says the Peruvian media. Um, obviously, strikers are a big question mark. I just wonder, like, at what point does like it finally become too much for Pereja. Like the team has been doing very well with no starting caliber number six, no starting caliber striker, and the, a really a third string keeper in Stadiuhar who has showed very well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I maybe that's just me. I just kind of feel like even though we're starting to pick it back up, eventually the injury bug's gonna catch up with us. Yeah, but this team. I think there just needs to be some serious, seriously, serious thought put into the midfield this coming off season. Cause it's like, we haven't had like a, a real, like we haven't had a no question marks midfielder since probably your boy. Yep. That's, a, and honestly, I'm trying to think cause like every single person, even like when, when there was like different players having different 
like good spells, it was always like, how long is this going to last? And it turns out it doesn't last forever. So I really would like to put in, and I would rather have somebody in that position that's going to give me a B, B plus effort every week rather than looking for the guy that's going to give me an A plus every four weeks, personally. Is that not Urso, though? I mean, it's all, he, he, I mean, he's, he can, he's not a bad option. I think he's a good player. I really do. Um, I just don't know how, how, what's he, how is he going to do in the long term? Because for me, outside of injuries, the midfield has always been the question mark on this team, even though, because I mean, well, that's needless to say about the offense because the offense has always just been a question mark forever. Like just forever, this entire club's history has just been like, oh, who's going to score goals? So I don't fucking know. Um, but I just feel like the midfield has always, I, I just am the type of guy that I'm going to build around the midfield. And the midfield is just not up to par right now. And maybe Urso is like going to be a part of that in the future, and he should be. Um, but I want somebody that's going to go in there and put their foot on it and show. I want somebody with the, the mindset of, Christian Aguita, but a better player. I want somebody that's going to go in there and put their, like, put, like, when the game's on the line, he's going to put their foot, feet on their throats and, like, figure this out. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's kind of tough from, like, Pareja's perspective because we've seen this team play really well. And that was over a year ago. Like, do you feel like we've, we've, even come close to the MLS's back kind of style and kind of swagger that we had since then? No, not really, because that team was just, I mean, that team was fire. That team was just going off. Like every everything looked clean. There was just like the forward passes were good. The 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 side pass the side passes were good. Like everything looked like it was every pass that they made looked like they trained to make that pass. And we've, I wouldn't say we've, we've regressed all the way back. Like we still have like an identity, which I was asking for for years before Perea. But I feel like it's regressed a little bit to the point where it only shows itself every once in a while instead of just being a one to 90 situation. I just wonder like when talking about building the midfield and rebuilding the midfield, how much of the lack of kind of that similar possession style game that we saw then is just because Pereja doesn't have the pieces that he wants. Um, well, you know, that's you... the thing about the midfield. I want somebody that's going to get in there and be like, if we need to hold on to possession for a three straight minutes, five straight minutes, then we can do it if we absolutely have to. And we don't have that right now. No, and I think last year, Uri was that guy. Um, you know, there's a reason Pereja started him every chance he could. Um, you know, Mendez, you can't say the same for Mendez. He benched Mendez behind Uri several times. I, I think that says a lot. So Mendez, obviously, we saw at the beginning of the season, did start to add to his game where he was able to kind of distribute the ball a little bit better. But he's been injured since God knows when, man. May, June? I think, are we talking about Mendez or Yuri? Mendez. Okay, because Mendez, like, for me, he's just not the answer. And Yuri is, I think Yuri, the reason that he's showing, he's just aging. Like, that's just where we're at. Like, he's just getting older and we're seeing him on the decline, which is unfortunate. But I don't think it's, like, anything that – it's not like, oh, Yuri's got to play better. It's like, dude, this is what Yuri's got right now. Yeah, but I think that ideally Pereja would like someone with a similar skill set to Uri, 
hopefully a better for player. For sure, for um, sure. And, you know, maybe Mendez adds those pieces to his game, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and they find a number six who can who can spray the ball like Xabi Alonso of old. Yeah, they, that's exactly what they need. That's what when, when Yuri walked in, that was the comparison we made. And there were glimpses, but never a, a consistent showing of that. But if we can find somebody in, and obviously not Xavi Alonso-esque, but in that mold, I really think that this team could look a whole lot different because I wouldn't say it, it used to be way worse where you just give Chris Mueller the ball, you'd give Kyle Lahren the ball, you'd give Kaká the ball, Nani the ball, and just be like, good luck. And there would be no like attacking play. And we need that. And that starts in the midfield. It, 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 it requires a good number 10 in the offense that I think we should be running. And then the front three will have so much more opportunities. Like it's just a better way of playing. And we still kind of do that, give Nani the ball, and then we're just like, please save us. Do it. Yeah, it's like just cut one in on your – do the opposite of Ian Robin. Cut it in on your right foot and just put one on that post. And it's like, dude, like the guy can do it like staggeringly often. Like it's like, what the fuck? But it's still not all the time. And, but like that's the thing. Like, I was thinking like if, if – like the Revs lost Carles Hill, their best player, and they're still – trucking obviously they aren't dealing with the same amount of injuries that we are but like even if we were fully healthy if we lost nani for two months this team would i think be in a serious situation even if you did have pato even if you did have dk like this team has this year relied on nani to be play hero ball and he can't pull that out every week and that's not a knock on nani that's he's still got nine goals through 20 matches like that's a that's a really good rate of return, especially for a guy who's what 34. So I don't know. I, the offense is super concerning and it's not necessarily a Pareja thing. It's a personnel thing. And we all knew that Pata was a risk when we signed him, that risk is not panning out. DK is the big mystery, right? Have you uh, paid attention to that? Now his market has kind of gone quiet again. It kind of picked up some rumors and has gone quiet again. The only real, like, consistent report has been his old coach at Barnsley is now at West Brom in the championship. They are reportedly willing to offer a $3 million loan fee with uh, an obligation to buy if they get promoted. Would you do that? Say that again. Say the the, uh, the $3 million up front to loan him for the championship season with an obligation to buy if they get promoted. And what's the price tag if they buy him? Uh, who knows? But it, it could go up if they get promoted. It would, like, it's going to go up. Yeah, it would be it would be a decent amount of money. Like, who knows what yeah, the price that. would be set at? But you you do that. I do that. Oh yeah, you, I do that. So you don't like you're okay with not having him because the, the window closes in a week, like a week from like right now. So you would you're okay with not having DK for the rest of the season? Yeah, <laughs> like point blank period. Like I love the kid. But $3 million and then probably close to double digits, if not more, after the season? Yeah, I think so. But that's that's not a guarantee, though. You know what I mean? You could be but in it's the not, same exact position. But then he position. comes back, right? But he came back this year, and we didn't use him. Yeah, but there's something going on back in the background 
there's something going on because like there's no way that kid's just taking up space on the bench because he's not qualified to play. Like there's something going on back there. Well, the report is he's got like tendonitis and his shoulder hurts, but like ah, yeah, me too. But it's like <laughs> it's it's a little sketchy. Like obviously Orlando City's uh, injury reporting has been awful for seven years now. But, like, he wasn't on the injury report for a couple of weeks. And then finally somebody prodded out of Pereja that he's got – he's dealing with something. So, I like, I don't know if he's dealing with anything. I, I wonder if we're just kind of shelving him for a, a move. It's weird. I don't – I don't really know, man. After the Laren fiasco, like, any big-profile striker who doesn't move in a quick and timely manner, there's always that little voice in the back of your head that's like, uh-oh. You know what I mean? Am I crazy? I think you're a little crazy because only because I think that the position that we're in are the, is the position I feel like that gets shafted 99% of the times in this situation. Like, I feel like we could sell him for drastically lower than what he's worth. But at the same time, you can't let the, you can't let good be the enemy of perfect. Like you almost have to be like, all right, this is what I want but this is where I'll take. And if somebody hits that number, you just got to pull the shoot because it's the kid's not going to want to, if he, if he's already showing signs that he wants to go to Europe, which he did out of college, he's not going to be okay with just sitting around while you twill your thumbs waiting for $15 million. So that's the question. What is his value? Like what it really his value, because we've, we, all the reports say, at least from the reported numbers, the highest offer we've gotten is $10 million for 80% of his rights, where we would get 20% of whatever he sold for after that. I think that's realistically around what you're going to get. Like maybe you hit yeah. 13 million, but I think, I think in the height of the moment when he was scoring with Barnsley and everybody was like, Oh, 20 million is realistic. Like, obviously we were a little juiced on just kind of that specific time period. But I, I don't know. When you see Tejan Buchanan going for like $7 million, who is having a great season right now and is about the same age, I don't know. I just – I think That's why we, I think you take the $3 million, you loan him. Your fingers crossed that he has a breakout season, takes West Brom to the Premier League, and they give us 10. Like 10 total or 10 more? 10 more. So 13. Because I think if he, if he goes and he – fights them into promotion i think 10 million is a steal i think 10 million like what okay so question if, if they have an obligation to buy from promotion and they said do we have an option to not sell him there like if, some, if they give us if they're like okay we'll give you 10 million but somebody else says we'll give you 11.5 can we sell them that way if it's an obligation it would be that's part of the contract that when they are promoted his they then owe us however many million dollars yeah i still think i'd do it i still think i'd do it because you're getting three million dollars at the end of the day what you're looking at today the only thing that's sure is that three million dollars going in your pocket and he's going into a better league a way better league with way more like spotlight on it and playing his ass off and hopefully doing what he can do to win because like everybody's like oh we got to keep him in here we got, or not everybody but the front office is is maybe thinking we got to keep him here build this stock but how much can you actually build your your portfolio and your resume over what he's already done in america you can't no i think i think if anything his stock's only going to go down that's what i'm saying so take that three million dollars put it in your pocket and say good luck kid 
And then at the end of the year, even if he doesn't get promotion and they say, hey, we'll give you seven, 7.5, you take that shit. If you can take, if you can get 10 million total, now I'm hoping for 13 million in my, in my amazing idea of what's going to happen. But if you can get 10 million, if you could put money down right now and buy the fact that he will be sold at some point for $10 million in total, who fucking take that? So now, because we've already gotten a $10 million offer, do you wish we'd taken that back in March or whenever that was? I mean, a little bit, but like hindsight's always twenty twenty. And like at this point, like, did we know he was going to come back and not really play? No, we thought he was going to come back and play and, and help us on our way to winning a league championship and hopefully building his stock, his, his stock a little bit more, but that's not what happened. So we have to play our cards the way it is right now. And right now, if you could squeeze $10 million out of them, if you can go from March to August and not lose any money after him not playing for how long, come on. I mean, that's a no brainer. I don't know. I don't know if your value really should be affected like by six months where he was with the national team for part of that. And injured for part of that uh like i've on the front office 10 million is where i'm starting because that's the highest offer i've gotten obviously whatever premier league big six club wanted him at 10 million dollars is not offering that same amount of money if it is we're saying no which i think would be stupid but i just i don't see i don't see where the benefit is for dk i don't see where the benefit is for the club obviously the benefit for the club for him to finish out the year here is that maybe we but does dk really is is that worth it? Is that risk worth it to have him play here for two, three months, maybe not play super well because he is still a 21 year old kid. And then maybe his, get injured. And that, yeah, that's maybe what I'm saying. Fuck up his knee. He could still get injured with like with West Brom. That's why like, if I could sell him, I'm trying to sell him and loaning him to me would be a, a last ditch option because I don't want to loan him out for $3 million. He fucks up his knee and now you have obviously still a good striker, but maybe you're never going to see ten million dollars ever again. No, true, but you're taking you're you're saying that you're looking to get ten million, but ten million is not on the table anymore. We uh, yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. That's why I think like I would not be surprised if he's loaned to West Brom on deadline day, where they exhaust all other options, see if anybody comes in for any sort of better permanent deal, and then sure. loan him out. No, definitely. I wouldn't give it. I would give it till the last day. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Hold on, West Brom. Hold on, hold on. Hey, you got you got ten million. You got ten million on the other line. Like, I would just be looking for every option to get out of it. Like, if somebody offered you eight point five today, do you take it? Do we have a sell-on clause? Like, we keep a portion of his sell-on. Yeah, like we get fifteen, like twenty percent. Yeah. Um. Yeah, ten percent. I mean, I believe in his ability to get better, especially in the Premier League, and eventually be worth a lot more. I would be a little disappointed, but I would, I would probably take it, depending on the, depending on the team. Like if he's going to Chelsea for that deal, I'd probably say no, just because he's going to get loaned out to like Bruges and then eventually sold to Italy and then for pittance and then eventually come back and start for Chelsea. I'm saying he's a Lukaku regen, um, but I don't know. I like. If it was a team like Arsenal or a team that could actually use him now, I would be a lot more inclined to do that deal than if it's a team like Chelsea or Man City that's just going to bring him in, loan him out for a season or two, and then sell him for about the same amount of money. You know what I mean? For sure, yeah. So 
it depends on who's offering. I don't know if any of those teams are really in the market for him anymore. I, I don't know. It's just like the it's turned to 180. Like he's still worth a good amount of money, but those like the market has just dried up for him seemingly, which is yeah. a bummer. That's why I take that three million and hope he does well. Yeah, I think if that's the option, I don't I don't think for the financial health of the club, it is ideal for him to play in MLS this year, even though we are a lot bigger of a threat with him on the roster and they should have replaced it. They should have brought a player in in the summer. It's not like we didn't know this could have been a possibility. And that's yeah. something, you know, the front office has to deal with. And, and that's a consequence of their actions. Let's talk about another player who could potentially theoretically, it doesn't seem like uh, the winds of change are blowing as hard for Chris Mueller as they were a month ago, but a week left in the window, Hibbs reportedly still trying to bring him over. You don't know a fun fact about Chris Mueller. Uh, as if I don't know enough. Do you know how many offensive contributions? So this is shots uh, towards goal, not even on target, towards goal, or chances created. How many offensive contributions has he had in the six games that we've played since he announced his move? You, so you're saying shots on goal and no, not created. even not even on goal. Just he he tried to score the ball in some capacity, or he set okay. somebody up who then tried to score the ball in some capacity. He's got no assists, no goals, obviously. Then six matches since he announced his move to Hibbs. How many times has he contributed to the offensive goal scoring production? I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't know have a, a specific number, but I say under four. So. Cincinnati props his numbers up by a fuck ton, but it's six. So he has okay. taken five shots and created one chance in six matches. Um, he, the chance created in one of the shots was against Chicago. So I don't know. I think he's mentally checked out. He, because you look at, you know, how many chances he created before that move was announced? Like two or three a game. So he had 21 chances created in 10 matches. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's not surprising. Now he's got one in six. I don't know. Six and six. Well, one chance created. That's 21 chances created in 10 matches or 11 matches. Oh, so the other five were just shots? Yeah. He's taken five shots oh. in six games. As a goal scoring winger, he has taken five shots in six games and he has created one chance in six games. Can we stop like, pretending games. like. I feel like the hardcore fans of Chris Mueller are the ones that are like the most hardcore Orlando City fans. So like to show the fact that he is making a mockery of this club to this to by checking out that much, like not even having a care in the world. Can we finally get an like a a, a, a fan base wide consensus that this dude's a piece of garbage? Do you know what's even worse, maybe, than his lack of production on the field? He was on Park Ave and posted a picture on Instagram of him reading his own book on Park Ave. I'll tell Who you what, this? you never saw Tolstoy doing that. I mean, the good news is, is that Sylvester Vandervater got back-to-back starts for the first time all season. Big Ben. And has been producing. You know, he's got seven shots in the last two games. So, already... Way more productive than Chris. Um, yeah, we need to we need to make a chant for uh, Vandervater and just to somehow put in Drake. I like my girls VDW. That's what we need. Instead of BBW, we need that VDW lifestyle. I don't know if that would come across. That's kind of a mouthful, VDW. I like my girls VDW. I just heard. I just thought about it. I'm like, yo, that's fire. <laughs> v. 
V dubs, VD dubs. I don't know. Who knows, man? We'll workshop it. We have some, we have a few days and a couple beers. That's true. I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that Vandervater has finally taken the job and he's going to run with it. He's just way more fun to watch. He's way much more of like a spark, which is unfortunate because, like, that's what Chris was was the spark. And he's kind of, he's lost the spark, has gone out. The Nicholas Sparks has gone out. So, uh, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that Vandervater can get a run of games and kind of show why he's worth 1.5 million. Yes. All star game on Wednesday. You watching it? No, I don't no, think either I've ever watched an MLS Who watches All-Star the All Star game? game. Yeah, I don't think I've ever watched one. Not a single one. I think I watched like the 2015 one with Kaká because that was my first time that I'd ever paid attention yeah. to it. But other than that, was that one in Orlando? No, that was one. I can't remember where it was, but I remember like Kaká assisted David Villa, and I was like, "This is why." I <laughs> this is this is that's like that moment I have it in a picture where I'm sitting like 50 yard line, and I think it was either it had to be like my it was the first game in the new stadium. And I'm watching, and Kaká just blows by Pirlo, like 50 feet from me. And I'm like, I like my whole body. I felt like I, an out-of-body experience. It was awesome. That was like, and you only put like 10 minutes in that game, too, before yeah. you went down and got hurt for like the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. It's a hard-knock life. All right, what's your prediction for the game on Friday? Uh, 2 nothing Orlando City. Let's go. Let's go bigger, big enough. Let's go. I, I swear to God, they give up a goal. I'm going to be half hammered in the stands. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm going to be so mad that they made me look dumb, but you it's know, a Friday night. Be, it's I, tough, man. It's a Friday night game. It's going to be Friday a long day night. for me. Yo, you're not wrong. You're not wrong about that at all. But honestly, we should tell people whatever bar we're at and they should come down and check us out. Catch, catch, catch us outside. We you thinking? We were at Harry Buffalo. When I was with Matt to the last game we went to, which seems like forever ago now, it was solid. Oh, the that um, I don't know. What do you think is better, Church Street or Wall Street? It's Church Street for Orlando City games. Okay, I know Matt. But Wall really Street just has like bar. a better downtown shit. Um, I don't know, man. Like when we were out in Ebor City, I just feel like it's not my vibe anymore. You know what I mean? It's just I don't like know. that reason, shit was fire. There's a reason. Well, there was parts of it. House. That's true. There was parts of it. There was like there, there, there was like that dude that just had his like pit bull laying in the middle of the sidewalk that I didn't really vibe with. <laughs> but, but outside of that, it was pretty legit. Yeah, I mean, good time. Just for someone who's not me. Yeah, well, that bar we settled in, that place was cool. I like that place. It's like, yeah, like that's my vibe though. It's like a a, a bar, craft beer bar. With like 50 beers on the menu. It's like World of Beer, but off brand. But also, like, I don't well, I don't know about World of Beer because the only time I was there for the McGregor fight and that place was slammed in the middle of COVID. In the middle of COVID. <laughs> but uh, but uh the one that we settled in, there was still like a I, I like those types of bars too, but I also like the nightlife crowd, like the the crazy like frat bros that were behind you, and then like the two girls that were like dancing, because I like that entertainment. I still need something to enjoy. You want to see twenty-year-olds be stupid? Yeah, because dude, this one—the the story. This kid's just walking around and like just drops a bottle of beer, shatters everywhere, and this older woman just like picks up the top of the glass and walks over like she's gonna shank him and just like hands him. He's like, "I think you lost this." And the guy was like, "Fuck." Nothing beats karaoke in the last segregated bar in Ebor City. Dude, I wasn't gonna say it, but that place was like without the laws. It was there. It was freaky. I don't clean your shit up, Tampa. That's all I'm saying. For real, for real. 
right, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say two one, Orlando. I feel good about a dub. I don't feel great about a clean sheet because again we have no number six. I don't know if you've been watching Joey Desart try to play number six. He's not a starter. He was drafted in the second round of the super draft for a reason. He's a solid bench piece. Guy you bring on at the close of games. Not a guy you want out there for ninety minutes uh, or even sixty. He's not a Desart. He's a Joey d'oeuvre, more or less. He's uh he's like diet ice cream. Like you, you really want like a really good, like a, a Ben and Jerry's pint, but you got to get, you're getting sorbet. He's sorbet. He's like that shitty Briars flavor where it's just like this real cherries in it. Like, it's hey, frozen. Do you know Briars is like not ice cream? If you look on the carton, it says frozen dairy dessert. Really? Yeah. That's sad. I think it's Briars. I think that's what that one is. We're getting stolen. The love of life is getting stolen from us. Uh, I, I feel good about Vanderbotter. I feel good about Nani. Nani always steps up against Miami. So I, I feel 2-1. They're on the hot streak, though. I think this is a good opportunity for Pereja and the team at home to kind of say, okay, fortunes changed now. We don't need a striker because we're probably not going to get one other than Tesho. And that's just the reality of the situation. I like my wingers, VDW. The type that whips them in and scores some goals for you. If you know the real line, let's go. Because it's a little too R-rated, even for this podcast. I think there's nothing too X-rated for this podcast. (laughs) I don't know if you've listened for the last five years. There's nothing too X-rated. There is something too X-rated for this podcast. But I don't know where that line is. I don't know if you found that line yet. Well, it, 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 it crosses over right into the group chat. It just goes right into the group chat. I will say when I when I was talking, we were in the Discord and I was talking, I was like, you know, I cut out like a good 20 minutes of us talking about Antonio Carlos's wife. People were like, you guys have a line? It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. If you'd like to hear it, subscribe to us uh, wherever you find podcasts. Jump in the Atlanta City Discord to talk shit about other teams. It's pretty much all we do now. It's all you can do. That's half the fun of being a sports fan. My name is Logan, and for Matt and Alex, don't get on a cruise.